This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Out of Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Out of Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello, and welcome to this Amundi Convictions podcast with me, Swaha Patanaik. We're back for our monthly discussion of the big market trends and views on asset allocation with Monica Defend, head of the Amundi Institute. Great to have you with us, Monica. Thank you, Swaha. Great to be back. Um, you say back, so you have literally just flown back from the IMF spring meetings. Now, they're always a fantastic chance of possibly seeing cherry blossoms, but it's a great opportunity to informally take the pulse of the global economy. Would would you just outline what the mood was like in Washington and how it compared with your views on the outlook for the coming months? Yes, with with pleasure. So overall, um, across investors, I would say that the mood was downbeat, uh, but not overly bearish. Maybe this was because of the uh, cherry blossoming, the nice weather. But I, I really found investors who are not uh, as bearish as I was supposed to hear. Uh, there are some signs of complacencies on uh, Europe resilience worries on geoeconomics fragmentation, a lot of talks on artificial intelligence, on digital power that is in the hands of the private sector and will need regulation and supervision by uh, the authorities. And then there is really uh, this uh, um, need to push ahead reforms in the monitoring, in the surveillance space, in particular on the financial sector. So the fast move on monetary policy rates will have an impact. We've seen this in October in the UK uh, with the liability-driven uh, investment and the mismatch uh, on the liability side, and more recently, the stress in the banking sector with some spillover uh, to lending. That if I compare uh, our own projections with the one that has been uh, released by the IMF, uh, I will say that we are more cautious on the US as we do believe uh, this uh, uh, lending uh, story will continue and will uh, eventually have an effect on the US that will run into a recession. So we have a 0.5 GDP growth projected for uh, 2023 compared to 1.6. Uh, as of the IMF estimation. Whereas on China, uh, we are more optimistic than the IMF. Um, the, uh, the data on the first quarter has been just released. We uplift uh, our projection to 6% uh, compared to uh, 5.2 released by the IMF. But I think we are going to talk about this later on in the conversation. Absolutely. Let's start off, though, with the U.S. Um, I mean, the IMF and Janet Yellen, the U.S. Treasury Secretary, is perhaps more um, optimistic than you were. But the markets are also not fully reflecting the downturn scenario that you're outlining. Um, Why do you think that is? Well, um, we might uh, uh, quote uh, irrational, irrational exuberance, uh, the, the famous uh, book, but uh, really notwithstanding the sequencing of crises that uh, we have been living uh, throughout uh, uh, the last four years now, the global economy on average remains on track. And investors continue to ignore the intensification of the slowdown because they are confident that if this will materialize, the central banks uh, will intervene and will uh, cut rate. 
this for us is unlikely to happen. We see uh, the US entering a recession, but we don't think the central banks uh, will pivot away from fighting inflation unless, unless a systemic risk materializes. So uh, policymakers, in my opinion, are talking tough, but not enough to make the market changing its uh, its mind. So on our side, all in all, we maintain the bar firm on terminal rates. So on the forward guidance for the uh, central banks, we have been not as volatile uh, as the market uh, participants uh, were, and we confirm our cautious stance on risk asset exposure. Absolutely. As you say, the markets have been very volatile about what they expect out of the Fed. Uh, you know, lots of hikes, then a cut, and then perhaps not so many cuts. Um, what's market positioning like right now? And how much of a whiplash do you think we could see in markets if investors come around to your way of thinking? So it, it really uh, depends on the type of investment. So how you are considering, because if you look at the positioning of speculative investors, uh, they've been uh, brutally risking. While, uh, but this is really uh, short-term flows. While if we ever look to our analysis on uh, cross-border flows uh, when it goes to institutionals uh, and asset managers, we have not seen and we don't we do not see this deeply risk off. But obviously, uh, they've been going lighter uh, on equities favoring uh, favoring cash. So. Uh, all in all, uh, I don't think that these big investors uh, will really uh, move uh, move fast. Uh, uncertainty on the macro side uh, is uh, is still uh, um, is still high. Let's have a look to earning season, uh, for example, because this is really something market participants uh, should focus on uh, as a tangible sense to have a perception of the uh, real economy uh, state of health besides the GDP numbers. Absolutely. As you say, well, the US earnings season, which is uh, always comes first in the developed world, has kicked off. Uh, we've seen mainly a bunch of financial earnings, but they're interesting for what uh, the big retail sector banks can tell us about the consumer household behavior small businesses. What are your early thoughts of what you've seen and what are you expecting through the whole of the earnings season? Well, again, the market is not pricing in any EPS recession. And similarly, actually, and this was one of the messages that have been released by the IMF. Uh, they've been saying uh, that uh, corporate earnings are still good, and corporate the corporate sector is run, running on healthy uh, on healthy mar- margins. Uh, this is done in the this is true in the US as well as in uh, in Europe. But I think uh, they are referring to the aggregate earnings, so large, small. Uh, and, and and medium cap companies. But if I look at our own expectations, for example, on the S&P 500, on the operating earnings, uh, top to thrive, we expect a minus 17. And the top was uh, March 22. Uh, the bottom, uh, we do expect it at the end of uh, the third quarter. Obviously, uh, this is strongly related uh, to the economic uh, economic path uh, moving uh, moving forward. So, to conclude, uh, we are in an earning recession. It's just a matter to uh, identify how deep and how extended. It will be. I see. And so, I mean, as you look across the investment landscape, it's very hard to put everything into cash and just sit and wait it out. When you look at the equity space in the fixed income space, what are your preferences? Uh, what do you think investors should be considering? 
Well, when, um, when we look at our top-down asset allocation, still, uh, as I said, uh, we are quite light on risk asset exposure, uh, possibly uh, moving on uh, relative positioning with a preference uh, for the uh, emerging market versus the developed market. On the fixed income, where we've been uh, quite uh, quite active. On average, I would say uh, that we are long on US uh, duration and keep the short on the um, on the core Europe and uh, Japan uh, duration. Uh, I would say that we are quite active on the FX space. Uh, that possibly, you know, this is an asset class uh, that is uh, quite resilient and reflect uh, really um, the, uh, the economic assessment that we might have in mind. So uh, you're mentioning currencies. Let's stay with that. We have been seeing perhaps if the, the slowdown that's materialized in the past um, usually tends to weaken a currency. However, there's sometimes shocks like the uh, Silicon Valley Bank things, which prompts a flight into the dollar for safe haven. Um, what do you think is going to pan out in the coming months, given the economic scenario that you're painting, and which are the major currencies that will benefit the most? Yes, yeah, sure. let's start with the elephant in the room, the US dollar and the Fed. So our expectation is for the Fed to... Uh, like uh, once further and then to take a pause uh, to see how uh, the um, the economic evolution uh, will be. Um, but as I said, we do expect a recession, but we have a 0.5. So it, it will be a, a shallow recession. So not really an art landing. With this in mind, uh, we see that the US dollar cycle is uh, is over and this weakness uh, on the greenback will, uh, will persist uh, as the higher rate advantage of the US uh, is dissipating progressively. Um, and this is allowing us to maintain, for example, uh, a long euro versus US dollar and a long Australian dollar versus the US dollar positions. And because of the um, economic and geopolitical uncertainty, uh, we've been opening up some new positioning on the safe haven, like the Japanese yen and the uh, and the Swiss franc. You know, on the one hand, the yen appears to be an underappreciated hedge against uh, global um, geopolitical risk. And on the other hand, it should help safeguard returns in an environment of slowing global growth. At the same time, against the yen, the Swiss franc may weaken after uh, the, the, the takeover uh, of Credit uh, Suisse. And this is really um, raising some questions on protection in, in, in the country. So we hold uh, a short position of Euro versus uh, uh, the, the, the Japanese uh, Yen. Do you want me to talk about the emerging effects? Because again, there, there are some opportunities. Yeah, that would be great because you mentioned there was this divergence between the EM and DM growth outlook. How, how is that playing out for your FX views there? Well, on the, on the emerging market, um, there are uh, some opportunities that needs to be uh, selective, having in mind, uh, first of all, the global uh, geopolitical risk, and second, the risk of an art landing in the in the US that obviously uh, might uh, prove uh, to to change the the curse in, in the FX uh, space. So with this in mind, we remain watchful and we confirm uh, our long stance on Mexico. Uh, 
on the Mexican pesos because of its attractive carry, potential benefits from nearshoring. Again, this was one of the big messages and takeaways from the uh, IMF. Uh, support coming from the monetary policy, positive balance uh, of payments outlook um, in Brazil. The Brazilian real versus the US dollar should do well, uh, given the attractive macroeconomic picture for the country and, and, and good uh, carry. However, we need to, poly to closely monitor uh, the political uh, environment. Last but not least, in Africa, we stay uh, positive uh, czar versus the US dollar, despite the underperformance that uh, we have seen uh, here year to date due to some domestic uh, issues, again, relating to politics and energy shortages. However, the czar valuation provides more uh, than an adequate cushion, so um, possibility uh, to, uh, to get some uh, value uh, out of that. Perfect. I want to come back to the, the Chinese, um, the growth outlook that you mentioned, where you're more positive. Um, obviously, I mean, I presume that view is reinforced by the Chinese first quarter date, GDP data, which came out earlier this week. Could you sort of perhaps drill down into how much other countries might benefit in Asia from exports to China if the Chinese economy is picking up or whether you think this is more domestic demand led? And also, what are the implications for Chinese markets? Yeah, sure. So um, we revised our projection uh, on Chinese GDP uh, for this year to 6%. It was 5.6 before the release of the first quarter uh, number. So stronger than our expectation. Robust growth uh, is confirmed also by uh, the alternative uh, data, the production side, the housing sector. But despite the upward revision, um, we think uh, the picture remains mixed. Consumption. As you said, uh, it's a consumption-led uh, uh, recovery, but the labor market is taking time to recover and wages growth, it's just around 5%. So it's not showing any sign of warm-up. On the uh, production revamp, uh, the, the data uh, for uh, the uh, last quarter, Q4 2022, were good, but we expect them to moderate moving, moving forward. Uh, flight capacity recovering is lower than expected. And there are really not many international flights, but UK and, and Macau and while uh, domestic tourism looks uh, to have fully, uh, fully recovered. And when it goes to the housing sector, uh, the March says still surprise on the upside and we expect them to maintain uh, a strong momentum. So 6% is uh, definitely a, a good uh, and very decent number. When it goes to this spillover into Asia, uh, well, this might be delayed. Uh, first of all, uh, I've been mentioning uh, the, the, the flights, uh, the, the tourism, so uh, Chinese going abroad. Uh, this is not really uh, materializing and it, it will have an impact. Uh, and then um, China is running on uh, um, relevant inventory stock. Uh, and this, uh, as long as inventories remain high, it, it will take them like five to six months uh, to, um, to, to reduce them. And this will prevent uh, any import from outside, which means that uh, the, the countries uh, uh, in, the, in the neighborhood will uh, kind of get the 
positive out of the Chinese rebound later in the year. Great, thank you. Um, as always, time flies when we're talking, Monica, and we are nearly out of time, but I want to finish up by looping back to your Washington meetings. So whether it's Davos or the IMF, whenever you get such a large and diverse group of people together from around the world, there's usually one topic or perhaps a country that keeps coming up organically in conversations. You mentioned AI, fragmentation, all of those things. Was there something like that which particularly caught your attention above all this time and which you think we should keep an eye on? Well, uh, on digital, I think that really uh, this is a, a, a big subject. Uh, we need to look carefully, also because we are uh, quite seasoned, uh, in my view, to really uh, understand uh, the uh, evolution and the progress on on that side. And uh, if we have a one side, the economic power uh, played uh, out of uh, China, the security or military power played out of the U.S., Digital power is in the hands of the private sector. So this is why we really need to understand the evolution, but also uh, to uh, to supervise it. So this was really something for me um, that re- drove, drove my attention. Going to uh, the back to the more economic and, and financial market, as you know, the IMF. Uh, it gives us the opportunity to open a window uh, into uh, the emerging markets uh, in a granular way. Uh, so frontier, uh, Middle East, North Africa, and it's an amazing opportunity uh, to meet uh, uh, officials uh, out there. Uh, one of the concerns uh, we had um, and we continue to have is on the middle income high uh, indebted countries that are not eligible uh, for uh, the the common framework and again the common framework uh, is, is this uh, um, is this creditors uh, group on one side we have china on the other side we have uh, paris club that uh, is in charge of taking care of the countries that uh, might run into a debt restructuring and because uh, many uh, countries within uh, the developing um, the developing regions are not yet eligible, this might be a concern. So on one side, uh, uh, I wish we will have uh, uh, some uh, um, tangible evolution in the, in, the common, uh, in the common framework just to prevent uh, the risk uh, of a crisis coming from a debt uh, unsustainability. Thank you. That's very interesting. Really appreciate you joining us and sharing your thoughts and the download from the IMF, Monica. Thank you, Swawa. And talk to you uh, next month. Perfect. And we hope all of you will tune in next month as well to this podcast from Amundi. See you again soon. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors, as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets and financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.